0: Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Fantasy Scouts podcast, episode number 35. I am your host, Chad Workman, joined by fellow scout Matt Nine. Today on the show, following week 10, right heading into week 11, the season's flying by, Matt and I are going to do a little super flex draft. We're going to draft 11 players, um, 22 picks overall between the two of us, but we're just going to draft rookies and second year guys. So the last two rookie classes, we're going to mix them up, shake them up um, and draft between those two classes. Kind of give you an idea of how we have these guys ranked. um, Give you an idea of who you should be out there trying to buy. Who's going to break out. Now is the time to buy a lot of these guys in their first two seasons. We're seeing some guys in the midst of a breakout and some are on the cusp of one. So We're going to do that. Um, Before we start, head on over to patreon.com backslash fantasy scouts. Subscribe to our Patreon. Uh, We're posting tons of content every single day. Uh, We are still posting some free content on ffballallday.com. So head on over there, check out our content, sample it. If you like what you see, go subscribe on the Patreon. And of course, download the Thrive Fantasy app. They will match your deposit 100% up to $100 with the code FFSCOUTS. That's the Thrive Fantasy app. Download that, check out our Patreon, and listen to the show. Let's get into it, man. As I mentioned, we're going to be drafting from the last two rookie classes. Um, the one thing that I want to clarify or, or you know, tell you guys to keep in mind is that this is, you know, we're just drafting starters, uh, an 11 team or an 11 slot roster. So it's it's going to be a little different than, say, a mock draft that would have like 12 teams in it because we're drafting to fill out our lineup. So... There will be some slight differences in that regard but ultimately this is going to give you a good idea of how these guys are falling um you know just kind of in terms of rankings of the last two classes a lot of these guys are are already becoming stars or will be soon so these are going to be kind of they're going to make up a large portion of you know successful dynasty rosters at this point so uh
1: matt do you have anything to add before we get started here no, I'm, I mean, I'm definitely excited to talk about some of these guys. And I think, you know, you kind of touched on a little bit the intro. I think for some of these guys that we're going to put on our teams, I think it's OK to buy high. I think it's OK to sell, you know, a lot of assets as far as dra- future draft picks goes and maybe some of your mm-hmm. bench guys swap around some starters. I think the future is bright for a lot of these guys. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, just looking,
0: you know, at the names here, and like I said, these these names are going to make up a good portion of teams, you know, good dynasty rosters. So I'm excited yeah, to kind of sort them out for sure. And, they're all, they're
1: they're all young, and, right. and I think I think there's a legitimate case to be made that our two teams would be probably legitimate contenders in most dynasty leagues once we get done with this draft. I mean, both of these classes, the 20 and 21 classes, were just so so good.
0: They are so good. And that's why now is a good time to kind of rebuild and reload, I would say, because if you can go out and get some of these, I mean, some of these guys are are priced pretty high, but like you said, it's, it's worth buying high on many of them. And some of them are still, you know, definitely undervalued. So Absolutely. I think this is a good time to, to kind of reconstruct your roster and, and get a little bit younger. So um, with that, Matt, you are up first. There was potential collusion on awarding Matt the first pick, but we won't get into (laughs) that. Um, No, I'm just kidding. Uh, Matt, you are on the clock, I suppose. Go
1: ahead. So the format that we're going to be drafting is going to be super flex. We're going one quarterback, two running backs, three wide receivers, two tight ends, two flexes. And one super flex spot. So
0: Again, sorry, one other clarification. Are I, I don't know that we discussed this? Are we doing I
1: assume it's PPR? Yeah, let okay. just although even if you're half PPR, I think it's relatively close. So regardless. Yeah. So like I've done in several drafts over the past two years, I generally fade quarterback a little bit until I can pick up some of those mid tier guys. Um, I like stacking the mid-tier guys as opposed to going all in on a one top-tier guy and then having my rest of positions kind of not as good. So I think it's pretty obvious for me. I'm taking Jonathan Taylor with the 101 here.
0: Yeah, that seems like a no-brainer. I'm with you in terms of fading quarterbacks. And Jonathan Taylor, we kind of had a little debate in our in our, uh, Fantasy Scouts group chat if Jonathan Taylor is the RB1 in dynasty or Christian McCaffrey. So that just tells you kind of where Taylor's I mean, I, at right now. I, th-
1: I think they're neck and neck. And I think the crazy thing is there was this stat that I forget what it was. It was like, or this graph I saw, it was like Saquon Barkley, Ladanian Tomlinson, like all of these elite running backs on this chart. And it's like, you know, they hit X amount of points, you know, in so many games or whatever. And Jonathan Taylor is going to hit that mark like they did, but he's doing it on like, roughly 60 to 70 less carries as far as rushing yards go. I mean, what Jonathan Taylor is doing over the past, I guess we could say towards the end of last season, like the last six games of last year and through this past week is nothing short of just phenomenal.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And I wrote about it in my weekly review. He's averaging uh, after from week four onward. He's averaging 25 and a half PPR points per game, which is, I mean, that's incredible. Like, that's absurd. And that's, you know, really, you look at this offense, and Wentz was struggling. He was a little hobbled. The offensive line was banged up. The offense is clearly has been hitting their stride of late. And so you see what he's been able to do in a good offense with, a, you know, a consistent amount of rushes we'd probably like to see him a little more involved in the passing game because Hines isn't going anywhere but even when you compare it to some of the other guys like I mean you look around the league there's guys like Nick Chubb Damian Harris there's guys who just don't catch passes really and Taylor at least what he had six catches last week I mean he's still he's yep. still involved there so it's not like he's a zero in terms of pass catching either right
1: I, th- I think he's still seeing four or five targets a game so Right, I mean, just just the usage, and I think it's really encouraging too. Is when you look at their their daily, or I should say daily, their game day rosters, they usually make Marlon Mack a healthy and active. Like it's just JT and Hines on game day. So even in garbage time, he's still they're still putting him out here to to run the clock out. So it's not like he's getting benched at the end of games if they're up big or something like that. So I mean, just the the usage has just been fantastic, and his efficiency is is out of this world. Absolutely. Back to you for t- 102. Um,
0: yeah. So I, I was kind of, I guess, hoping you would go quarterback and I could take JT because I'm with you. I fade quarterbacks, even in super flex leagues. I've won with, you know, getting some, just some of those mid tier guys, but also it's worth, you know, like I mentioned heading into this show, it's a little different than just like a 12 team super flex draft because quarterbacks typically go at the top there, but for us, we're just filling out our roster. So we're each going to be able to grab two starters, you know? Right. So it's, it's a little different, but with that in mind, I'm going to go with the one, the only future hall of famer, Kyle Pitts. Uh, you know, I know there's a ton of good wide receivers on the board. There's other running backs. There's, there's just so much talent in these two classes, but Kyle Pitts is just, I mean, he's a unicorn. He's such a rare tight end prospect. And just looking at, you know, in a two tight end league, you look at just some of the other names we've had. And and really the last two classes have not been great in terms of uh, tight end, you know, tight end productivity and really just prospects as a whole. So I think there's a huge gap between Pitts and everybody else. What what do you think of that, Matt?
1: Yeah, absolutely. I'm looking here at, it's this list that we have up here, and he's by far and away the best tied in on here. Um, you know, him and and Pat Fryermuth graded, I think, one and two on the tight end model from last year's class. And you're like, Oh, well, they're back to back. I'm like, Yeah, but the score difference between those two was right. like fifty or sixty points. Like, yeah, they were one two, but Kyle Pitts is like one tier gap, and then it's Pat Fryermuth. Like, Kyle, I'm I'm with you on Kyle Pitts. I I was a little hesitant uh, coming into the season. Like, I'll be honest, just because we always see tight ends start out slow, and I think he did. I think we can say he started out somewhat slow. Yep. But over the past four to five weeks, you know, especially since that London game, uh, yep. they, they've really figured out how to use him, and he's becoming super in that Falcons offense. So i I think that's I think that's a really good pick. I I wonder if if this was a 12 team super flex draft, would you still take him in the first round? Or you think yeah. he's more of a second round guy for you? Like, would, like, would you fade the JT, the Mahomes is the Josh Allen's, you know, you're like at the one ten or something like that. You, you would still go pits there with maybe like a Lamar Jackson, possibly on the board, uh, a, Oh, like a startup.
0: I thought you, yeah. To, yeah.
1: Um, or you think he's more of a second round pick? Cause I, I honestly, I think this summer, that's probably where he's going to be. He's going to be a top 24 pick. I don't know if he makes it to the 301, honestly.
0: I think I don't have a problem taking him late first. I mean, I'd have to look at like the entire list, but as somebody, especially who fades quarterbacks, like we talked about, um, I wouldn't, I would probably take him late first around Mm -hmm. like 11, 12. Uh, But I'd have to look, I mean, there's just, in a dynasty startup, obviously there's there's just so many good players, but I wouldn't have a problem taking him that early. I mean, he's you get him for in theory, you know, like a decade of that elite top right. end tight end right. production. I mean, I did a dynasty startup auction this summer and I, I can't remember what I paid for him, but it was it was extremely high. like I just I went and got him like no matter what I paid over a hundred dollars and it was, I can't remember. I can't remember what our starting budget was, but either way, like I paid more for him than like Kelsey went for, I believe. So there's a big
1: age difference there too, about like a decade. So I get that. What do you, where would you kind of be okay taking him in a startup? I mean, honestly, the second. But for me, I'm, I'm pretty consistent when it comes to my tight ends. I don't want that top group because of what they cost. So I don't mind right. fading tight ends until like round four, four, five, and six and grab like, you know, Fant and Goddard back to back. You know, yeah, guy, guys like that. And then at Kyle Pitts, you know, at the end of a one, you know, I'll double up on running backs or take, you know, DK Metcalf or, you know, uh, Justin Jefferson, one of those guys instead. Yeah, I'm
0: generally in the same boat. Like I think, you know, when I was drafting TJ Hawkinson this past summer, that was pretty much the highest I've ever gone up for a tight end. Usually I'm in the same yeah. boat as you, and I try to hit some of these young breakout, you know, potential breakout guys. But uh I don't know, Pitt is just Pitts is just different, man. And I'm I'm pulling I mean, up, I agree. I'm pulling up his adp (laughs) guess what his adp is on dlf right now for the month of uh or i guess so far and it says november but i i don't know if november's i thought they only updated it after the month let me check october and see if it's different yeah so i guess for november guess where his uh his adp is early second like 202 nope 111. wow and he was he was, nineteenth uh, overall last month. So he he went up. I I guess after the Ridley situation he went up, but I don't think that particularly matters. Uh, you know, one way I, or the other.
1: I think just for me, if once you get to the end of the first. The way that I like to construct my teams, I, I just don't know if I would want to take it tight in there, to be honest. But, I, it, but I'm but i not hating on anybody that does because I, I get why you're taking him. Right. Okay, you are up at 103. A lot of good players, obviously, still. Usually, I would take another running back here, but I do think there is a little bit of a tier gap between... The running backs that are left, you know, guys like Antonio Gibson, Swift, uh, James Robinson, Javante, so on, uh, Najee, even that. I think I'm going to go with my wide receiver one here. I'm going to take Jamar Chase at the at the 102, and I'm going to go Jonathan Taylor and Jamar Chase back to back picks. Doesn't he's, get much better than that, does it? He's it, no, he's young. I mean, he's 21. He's in a, a super high-potent offense that that scores a lot of points. He's got a young quarterback attached to him in Joe Burrow that he played with in college. He's got an offensive-minded head coach that, that wants to score all the time. He's already proven that he's good. He's outpacing Justin Jefferson's rookie records from last year. So uh, for me, it's a no-brainer. He's a top-three dynasty wide receiver, You know, not even between these two classes, just out of everyone. So for me, for me, that's a really easy pick
0: yeah i um i I can't disagree with that love chase he's been absolutely tremendous um I'm sad I own no
1: no no chase I don't own him anywhere so. right
0: same he's uh he's been a little quieter the last two weeks uh, but it's not obviously it's nothing to panic about but right. his you look at his average um yards yards per catch. He was up in the mid-20s for most of the season. The last two weeks, it was 10.7 and 8.2. Do um, you think that's a product of game script, just kind of regressing to the mean a little bit, or just, you know, just going to happen?
1: I mean, maybe a little bit of both. Just because, I mean, the, the what is it? The Bengals have been outplayed the past couple weeks. I mean, they got curb stomped by the Jets you know, after leading for a little bit that they, they let the jets back into it. And then who was it that they lost to before? Was it the Browns that, that beat them down? Yep. It was the Browns. So Yeah. I, I just think it's, you know, it's regressing to the mean because the team as a whole, isn't playing particularly well right now. So, you know, as they start to bounce back a little bit, I, I think you'll be fine. I mean, on a week in week out, I mean, he's probably a lock for what, 10 points, at least double digit points. So.
0: Yeah, I agree with that. and, in a good young offense, I mean, it's it's uh, kind of a no-brainer there. So... Back to you. Back to me, and like you mentioned, it, you know, it kind of gets interesting here, but like you mentioned, there's a bit of a gap um, to the next sort of tier of running backs, and then there's a lot of running backs in that tier. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a few very high-end wide receivers here and a lot of kind of mid-tier guys. I'm gonna take CeeDee Lamb here. Um for me, he was he was my top wide receiver prospect last year. Um, I know that Justin Jefferson has been very good, but I still think CeeDee Lamb is a better player and a better offense. As much as I like Cousins, you know, Cousins will be a free agent. And as much as I like him, Lamb is attached to Dak Prescott. And I know they have a lot of weapons there, but I mean, even, even, you know, this season Ceedee lamb has been maybe not quite what people hoped because the expectations were so high. He's still wide receiver seven in terms of average points per game. So, I mean, that's incredible. And that comes after, you know, a two touchdown week last week, but, but still, I mean, he's been very, very good. And I think, uh, really the sky's the limit for this guy. He's, he's incredibly talented and a, great offense i don't i don't know what more you could
1: want yeah uh, there's there's honestly not much more i can say with that i think it's, it's a it's a great pick he, he seems very hit and miss though like i guess a little bit like justin jefferson or justin jefferson uh jamar chase you know mm-hmm. those down weeks you know when there's a down week for the team like he's down big time yeah you know that there's not i don't know if there's really a it doesn't. at least this season, it doesn't feel like that this is a stable floor with him.
0: Yeah, I don't disagree with that. And I think that's something that you hope eventually comes with these young wide receivers. Uh, and a lot of them are dependent on, you know, big plays and things like that. I think with Lamb, I, you know, it, it's interesting. There was a lot of talk leading up to the season and a lot of people around the Cowboys had said like, Look, Amari Cooper is still the wide receiver one on this team. I think we're seeing Lamb pass him up. There is still some element of those two kind of trading off, but I think we're seeing Lamb kind of pass him up to the point where, you know, eventually you're going to start seeing more consistency out of Lamb and Cooper's clearly going to be, you know, the 1B or the, or the number two, however you want to look at it. But yeah, that's that's a good point. I don't uh, yeah. disagree with that.
1: And we also were talking. I don't know if you remember this in the in our group chat last week. You know, do we still think Dak is a top tier dynasty quarterback because of how more balanced, like how more balanced this offense is becoming? Because you know, because last year their defense was was really really bad. They were forced to throw a lot. You know, Dak was throwing four hundred fifty yards a game or whatever. And this this year, it's come it's kind of come back a little bit down to earth. It has. Um
0: he's still QB six in terms of
1: average. He's a little sure. lower, I think
0: in total points, but in average, he's still QB six. And I personally think so. I mean, a
1: tier two guy, you'd say, right? Yeah, yeah
0: exactly. I not, so, not too. quite elite, yeah. but he's still, you know, kind of on that. Yeah. On that. I mean, and plus, you know, Zeke's getting a little older. He's been a little bit less efficient and, you know, I know Pollard's there and their defense is a little better, but this team's identity is still, Dak, Lamb, Cooper, like, I, yep. I still think he's he's pretty high up there. Yep.
1: All right, back to you. Well, I thought you were going to take Justin Jefferson, and I'm surprised you didn't. So yep. I think I'm going to have to take him here and make him my wide receiver to pair him with his college, former college teammate, Jamar Chase. I guess my only real hesitancy with Justin Jefferson is kind of feels like Kirk Cousins tenure in Minnesota is coming to an end. And sure. I, and I wonder who's next other than right. that. You know, I, he's same, same boat is Jamar chase. I mean, he's a top four dynasty wide receiver, not between these two classes, but overall, I mean, there's not really much you can hate. Rewrote the rookie book, rookie record books last year. So I'm going to take him at the one Oh five as my wide receiver too.
0: Yeah, and I think that's probably who most people would prefer between he and Lamb, just because uh, you know, Thielen's older and Jefferson's clearly the guy. He's established himself. But I still think CeeDee Lamb, um I you know, maybe it's a take lock, but I liked him better as a prospect and, and still prefer him there I think, kind of more in the long term than right,
1: you know, I the think second. Lamb just was
0: was my wide receiver two last year and Jefferson okay.
1: was my was my one. So
0: So where would you have those two in terms of overall dynasty rankings? I assume you prefer Jefferson. Would you have them both as dynasty wide receiver ones, uh, or I guess how high would you go with with each of them in your rankings? Just kind of
1: Jefferson is is in tier one, and and Lamb is in tier two for me. Okay, I I just I, I just feel like there's a big enough gap between the two in preference. As well as consistency, you know, we we said that we talked about that a minute ago with Lamb. You know, I think Jefferson's been a little bit more consistent than he has. So right, yeah. But but again, it's just one of those things. Like I'm I'm nitpicking. It's it comes down to preference. So, you know, I I don't feel like there's a wrong answer. Right. No, I, I agree. Like if if I offered you you know, based on value, if I had CD lamb and you had Justin Jefferson and I said, Hey, do you want to swap? Do you think you would do that? Do you think I would do you think it's a a fair, a fair deal? Or do you think there's, there's more value, at least name value associated with Jefferson right now, you might be able to get like, you know, you could trade Jefferson away for CD lamb and a third or something like that.
0: Yeah. I would definitely be asking for a little more just because of that name value and, and where they're currently at. And i would probably hold out for a little bit and try to get it but i think ultimately you know i would prefer lamb like if i had the opportunity to swap but i I would certainly want a bit more just because i know where he's at and maybe you know with this draft in theory i I maybe could have went with jefferson and hoped that you went in a different direction and i was able to get jefferson and lamb let me ask you that would you have taken lamb here next no okay so yeah see and that's something i you know i'm this is we're kind of just doing this for fun on the pod and I'm trying. sure to, we're just talking like, about some of the guys knowledge. like, yeah, I get it. Yeah. So um, you know, but that, that would, that could be a strategy in, you know, in real life. I, I think Jefferson has a little bit more uh, just, I guess value associated with him. So, yep. All right. Back to you. Um, Now I think it does get a little tough. Um, I know, (laughs) I know who I want to take. Um, I will say that I think when we put our teams up, people are not going to like mine as much with this, but I have to stick with my guy here,
1: right? I can't. So I'm going to go with... It depends on who it is. If it's like, you know, Kyle Trask or something, I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) It
0: is not Kyle Trask. I think you know who it is. Uh, It's definitely a bit early consensus wise, but Javante Williams is worth this pick in my mind.
1: That is, that is a little bit early. I mean, I'm looking at it and. Again, it's in the context of these two classes. So you, you, you wanted Williams over Gibson which I think yep. is fair I probably would have done that too. Uh Swift, that that's that's an, oh actually it's backup one, Clyde Edwards Alaire. I uh, probably prefer Williams, so I'm there with you. Swift, I think there's a conversation.
0: Yeah, Swift is the one I was I uh, was kind of debating with there. G- but- James
1: Robinson, I think there's a conversation. Mm, I love you know I love James Robinson, right. but I think it's it's JK J. Dobbins, I think there's a conversation. Yeah, I think so. Naji yeah. uh, I've, you know, you and me, we talked about this last week, prefer, prefer Williams to Najee. So it's really just three guys on here. So I guess it's not too bad, but you know, who, who else here? Well, there's, I there's guess Waddell, I mean, there's Judy, there's Higgins, there's Pittman, there's Claypool. Yeah. So, I mean, there's a lot of wide receivers. Yeah, so it's not, back. I guess it's not terrible in the context of things
0: it's not i think my mistake was like not taking jefferson and then hoping you didn't take lamb but again i you know back to kind of what we're trying to illustrate here i just i prefer cd lamb so
1: yeah it's it's not crazy
0: but i think you know you look at lamb Pitts, and javante these guys are all playing well this year but they're definitely gonna go up in value next year right so
1: you know, See, maybe
0: it, when we put our teams up, people might look at that and you know maybe mine's not better today, but I like the longevity of those guys.
1: I was just gonna say that, like if we, when we when we post this on Twitter tomorrow, you know, you people look at probably my team and be like, wow, that's that's a win now squad, but we look at your team and you're like, that that could be the win now squad a year to date. Yeah, exactly. Because you know, just the the upside that we both like with Williams and stuff like that. So, right.
0: Yeah. So um, I guess now tell me who you would have taken over Javante since you thought that was early. Man, I mean, just, you know, make your pick is what I'm getting at here. It's up,
1: you're up. Yeah. Um, I'm curious now because I wonder what you're going to do next.
0: <laughs> I'm in your head now. Living rent free in Matt's head. Yeah.
1: I feel like if I make move A, you're going to make move B. But if I pivot somewhere else, you might not make that move.
0: Yeah. Don't forget about move C. I'm always thinking about move C.
1: D, E, and F. Yeah. Oof. I think that I'm going to take my wide receiver three here. Okay. And. It's been a down year, relatively speaking. But I the, the talent is absolutely undeniable. And I think next year when a new quarterback comes to town in Pittsburgh, he's going to absolutely explode. So I'm taking in Chase Claypool here. It's my wide receiver three at pick 107. I think he's a fantastic dynasty buy right now. I tweeted this out last week. You know, there's a lot of concern with the, with the injury. Apparently he is practicing this week. So if you don't have another option, you know, he might be time to put him back in your lineup already. Uh, I know Mason Rudolph will probably go to him a lot more than Big Ben will because of the arm strength. We saw that at the end of last year when Rudolph started week, was it, 17 with Chase Claypool. Claypool had, I think it was like 11 targets, caught five balls over 100 yards and a touchdown, something like that. So I do know Rudolph does like to go to, excuse me, Claypool. But I, again, you just you just come back to the talent. A little bit of a sophomore slump, but again, just whoever the new QB is, it, it's pretty obvious it's not going to be Rudolph. I I'm beginning to lean that it's that Haskins is probably not even in the conversation anymore. I always thought for a few uh, since the season started, he'd at least be considered. I'm not I'm not terribly sure that I'm still on board with that with that take. Uh, I th- I think it's going to be somebody new. I mean, what if Aaron Rodgers, What if Aaron Rodgers shows up next year? Yeah. And that would I mean, be that, a that, great landing spot. For yeah, oh my gosh. Yeah. Yeah.
0: I, uh, I completely agree. And I, I had some thought about, you know, Haskins as well. I, I even went and grabbed him in a super flex league, but I think we're pretty close to
1: saying the ship has sailed on that, but. And, and I think we'll find out really quick whether Haskins has a shot at all after the season. Yeah. yeah. So I, I got him out of a couple taxi squads. After the season ends, I'm sure there'll be some blurb somewhere, and then that'll be the deciding factor. You drop a move on. No harm, no Right. So I will say
0: that is the – I like Claypool a ton. I think that's a little early for him, just looking at the other guys on the board. But, I mean, if he reaches his ceiling, he's going to be – I mean, Mm -hmm. your wide receiver trio is incredible, so um, I can't really hate on it too much. The next pick here, uh, it's a tough one because there's, I mean, there's just so many good players overall, right? So it, it makes it tricky. Um, I think, I think I know, again, I'm going to go against where the consensus would be, but I'm going to take DeAndre Swift because, I mean, you look at him versus a guy like Najee Harris, so I think a lot of people would probably have higher. We talked about some of our concerns with Harris in the long run. I mean, Swift is only averaging a a point and a half less per game, which is, you know, a a point and a half is a point and a half. But I mean, the Lions offense is brutal. You got to think they're going to, you know, get a new quarterback, hopefully start riding the ship. But Swift does have a lot of Alvin Kamara to his game. So even with Jamal Williams there, whoever's there, I mean, he's just, he's a really good PPR player and somebody that I would say I've gotten to be a lot higher on than I was maybe before. And I think he's a better talent than guys like Harris and and just some of these other running backs here.
1: Right. I, I think my biggest thing with Swift, and I know I've talked about this in the Discord before, is just that, When it comes to running backs for me personally, what I prefer for my dynasty squads is I want guys that are elite between the tackles because pass catching can be learned for the most part. Once you get into the NFL, learning how to run between the tackles, the growth that you see there uh, at the running back position, learning that skill is very minimal. Sure. Now DeAndre Swift, probably top two in the league as far as it is, as far as it goes when it comes to pass catching running backs, he's absolutely elite. And I get that that's what you want in fantasy, but he's if I'm not mistaken, the worst, or at least at the very bottom of guys who are good between the tackles, like he's horrible at rushing the football. And I know last week you're like, Oh my God, he rushed for, you know, 130 yards on Pittsburgh and stuff like that. But I think he had like 33 carries. Like it took him a while to even get there. That game was a slugfest. It was in the rain. Jared Goff has been putrid the past few weeks. Like at some point, you just got to give up. And so for me, that, that's my biggest thing because you look at guys like Jonathan Taylor, you know, guys like James Robinson, like, you know, these guys are elite between the tackles. They've learned pass catching over this past season moving into year two. So that's what I like because you can see growth there. So it's not a bad pick. I get why people want Swift. I, what is he? Top six back right now, something like that. So his value is going to be maintained in the in the past game. But I just wonder if his true ceiling is capped with the inability to rush as well as some of these other guys.
0: Yeah, I mean, that that's a good point for sure. I would say, you know, Jamal Williams hasn't been very efficient between the tackles himself. And I think a big part of that is just the Lions, yeah, the Lions their bad. offensive line is near the bottom in terms of, you know, PFF grades and rankings and just the eye test and that offense. I mean, of course, teams are going to make, you know, Jared Goff try and try and beat him over the top. So I think that's a big part of it as well. And I think if, if I know it's a big if, but if this offense can kind of write the ship next year in terms of improving that offensive line, getting a better quarterback, like I think Swift in a good offense would be truly elite.
1: So, Yeah. Probably I just, I see, then, then I go back. I just wonder how much of that is, you know, teams might be stacking the boxes on the lines. I don't have that, those numbers pulled up in front of me, but I wonder if they just, they only, the Lions choose to use to run, to use Swift as the pass catching back. You know, I just wonder if he was there on all downs and they spread it out a little bit more, if he had more lanes. Yeah,
0: that's a good – I have to see if I can find some stats on who's running against the most stacked boxes. I don't know off the top of my head where that stat Uh, lives, but I know it's out
1: there. It's on um, player profiler. Oh, it is. Okay. Let me pull that up. I got you. Because, I mean, I don't think – Average defenders in the box for Swift is six and a half. Mm. So he ranks 27th stacked front carry percentage of carries with eight or greater defenders in the box. 13% of the time. Okay. Base front carry. So your typical four, three is 35.8% of the time. He's averaging 3.9 yards per carry against a base run, a base front. He's averaging 1.9 against a stacked front. Uh, against a light front pl- uh, players, six or less defenders in the box. He's averaging three and a half. So that's not great. I mean, you would expect so, that to be higher. Yeah, I mean, it's it's definitely not great, which I think goes back to just I just don't think he's that good between the tackles. And I think all the graphs and stuff, you know, the efficiency rushing yards over expected and, and stuff like that. They all tell us the same thing. Like, he's just not very good. At that aspect
0: right right which is like you said it's It's just it's so weird he's so good at
1: one thing and he's so bad at the other so it's it's just a really weird spot but it's not a bad pick
0: and and i think you know the longevity of some of these guys like you look at some of the top backs in the league like the i mean mccaffrey is obviously better between the tackles but like we didn't really think eckler could do that and i mean look at him he's like rb3 this year camara lives off of that uh you know, so there's this, there's a place for those guys. Uh, even Kareem Hunt has been an RB1 as a backup, you know, running back. So, Sure. All back right to here. you.
1: 109. I'm going to take my last wide receiver. You can probably guess who wow. it is. I can. I'm going to take my boy, Michael Pittman. He's going to be my wide receiver four. I'm going to slot him into my first flex spot, you know, what else is there to say he's currently the wide receiver eight on the year uh, i believe he's top wide receiver 10 in points per game you might have that in front of you he's a stud he's a he's a proven stud he's one of the best run blocking wide receivers in the league he leads the league in third down uh, third down yards he has probably the best set of hands in the league i mean he he makes big boy catches wince goes to him all the time in critical situations because he's so reliable and he's catching touchdowns now. Like That was the big thing that we were talking about at the beginning of the year. We've seen a positive regression. He has five touchdowns now over, the, I think, the past six or seven weeks. The schedule's mm-hmm. relatively easier for him for the rest of the year. I mean, this is a guy that's going to consistently be underrated. He's going to consistently put up probably 1,100-yard seasons and eight to nine touchdowns. So I think he's an easy, easy pick here for the flex. He's a d- top 15 dynasty wide receiver. He's in my... I believe he's in my tier three right now just because of how much people are. So, or how how good those first two tiers are, but yeah. Sure.
0: So he's wide receiver 17 in terms of points per game, okay. wide receiver seven, just in points overall. And I mean, he's had, you know, week one was a dud. And then week six uh, against Houston was a dud. But outside of those games, he is absolutely smashed. So I,
1: I think that's good that you point that out, because yeah. you might basically take two weeks off mm-hmm. and and he's still the wide receiver seven. Like that speaks to how good he actually is. Yeah. And
0: I think that, you know, it's easy to say, well, you know, those weeks count and you don't want to see those duds. But that's better than somebody who's like consistently at, you know, 12 points per game or whatever, because, you know, if he has like two outliers a season where he doesn't really do much but every other game is smashing like yep. that's that's good so I, I i think you know on the surface it seems a little early for him but i think there's a narrative that still exists that he's like just a little further behind some of these uh you know some of these other names when i think that narrative needs to change i mean he's become truly uh a, a high end i would say dynasty wide receiver you know whether you have him in tier two, three, four. I think he's uh, a pretty elite dynasty asset at the wide receiver position.
1: I want to go back to what I was preaching in the offseason, you know, and I took I took a lot of notes from Matt Harmon because he was saying the same stuff. And he's on the same career trajectory as Allen Robinson. And I think for a while there, Allen Robinson was everybody a consensus top 12 dynasty wide receiver. Yep. So absolutely. I, I don't I don't see why Pittman wouldn't be. I mean, Pittman right now, I remember a lot of the talk is, you know, oh, I've seen some comments out there and stuff like that. You know, Pittman will be lucky to scratch the surface of uh, the rookie season that Higgins put up, and I think Higgins had 900 yards and, like, six touchdowns or something like that, and I'm like, Pittman's at 658 and five. He needs 300 yards and, you know, two touchdowns to surpass that, and he's got nine games to do it. I mean right there's a chance he puts up 1210 this year like it's very plausible at this point absolutely so that's where i'm going at one oh uh what did i say 109
0: 109.
1: yeah i forgot to put that over there
0: okay all right man 110 what you got um since you have gone so wide receiver heavy i'm gonna stick with my running backs yet again and we talked about some of our concerns and and not loving this guy like as much as Javante, but Najee Harris, um, obviously the volume is just incredible and he's, uh, what is he RB six in terms of average, uh, RB four just overall. So, I mean, and I think he's a really good pass catcher and, you know, people talked about that coming into, the season but i don't think people really knew quite how good he could be in that role and obviously you know his receiving stats might be a little inflated by one game where he had 14 receptions 102 yards and,
1: and 20 targets that game too
0: 20 targets with that yeah so that's that's a big one and obviously ben ben hasn't been throwing the ball downfield as much he's not quite as capable so that's you know be interesting yep. to see what happens with this offense next year but i mean he's what i say rb6 in terms of average behind a pretty poor offensive line and a struggling offense so i mean and and they have to invest resources in quarterback offensive line so it's not like they're going to be you know bringing in another running back to take i mean this guy's a, a true workhorse and he's going to be for the foreseeable future so uh yeah i'm going to go with him here
1: yep no issue with that no issue with that with at all I do for the future, though. I do hope his efficiency gets better. Sure. Um, I'm going to go ahead and announce my next pick because they kind of go together. I'm going to go ahead and take my RB2, James Robinson. Okay. Um, but what I want to mention with James Robinson and Najee is that, you know, the narrative with James Robinson last year was his you know high workload, really poor efficiency. And the jump that he's taken in efficiency this year is, is unheard of. I mean, he was, you know in the ranked somewhere, you know, in the 35 to 55 range and all those categories you care about last year. And this year he's top 12 and everything top 10, maybe even. And it's kind of the same thing with Najee. Like you hope he takes that jump in efficiency next year, but it just doesn't happen that often at that magnitude, I guess. So right. For me, I'm taking James Robinson as my RB two. Travis Etienne doesn't scare me at all. I'm completely out on him. That foot, that foot injury It's a very poor track record of players coming back. If he had been in the league two years, you know, top 24 uh, running back those two years or whatever, then I probably would still be in on ETN. But the fact that he has that injury and he's missing his rookie year, which is the most pivotal developmental year for any player at any position, that's big. Because he's starting so far behind. James Robinson has had another year to separate himself from ETN. He's gotten better at the stuff that he needed to work on while ETN is just rehabbing. He's sitting on the sideline. He's not doing anything. So he's not getting right. better at the stuff that we had concerns about him coming into the league. So James Robinson is my RB two. He is looking at looking like he's going to have another RB one year back to back years as the top 12 running back. He's he, the workload is there. The opportunity share is there. His efficiency is phenomenal. He's scoring touchdowns every game. I mean, it's just, I'm all over James Robinson and urban Meyer. I think that's the one thing that I can point to him and say, it's like, he's very consistent in using his running backs. He he thinks very logically at the goal line. He doesn't get fancy all the time with the play action and stuff like that. You know, he's giving repeated goal line carries to James Robinson. So I, that that's exciting to see. And they're using him in the past game. I think that was one of the knocks, you know, kind of on him is like, you know, Oh, that's why they drafted ETN. And I'm just like, well, you know, James Robinson is getting still five or six targets a game. And, even into next year, I just don't see ETN making a big enough impact that it affects James Robinson. So I'm taking J yeah. Robbins my RB2.
0: You know, um, I feel I feel good about that. I feel good about James Robinson. I've been right there with you every step of the way in terms of just his value and, and not really wavering on that, even with ETN. Um one thing I would like to highlight, <clears throat> excuse me, he's RB four. <clears throat> RB 14 in terms of points per game. If you remove so there's always some outliers like we talk about, he week he eight. missed he scored, one week. Yeah, so week eight, he scored four point nine points, but he left early with the injury. Um, did not return in that one. And then the first two weeks, we talked about his usage being yeah. very puzzling and weird. I'm if you trying remove to figure those, it out. If you remove those three weeks, he's averaging over twenty-one points per game, since he that's, really got a consistent workload and, and back to you know where he should be. So I mean,
1: that's elite. That's elite. Like I I think I think we're past the point of oh I'm not James Robinson was a one year wonder like he's producing at a very high level, and he's extremely efficient in doing it, and he has the workload to complement it. So this, James Robinson is an elite running back. Right. I mean, I just talked about how JT was averaging
0: like an, since week 4 averaging an absurd 25 points per game. Well James Robinson is aver, averaging over 21 when he gets uh yep. and, and I mean 25 is absurd. Like that's
1: like yeah, truly that's, yeah, insane. So 21 is like that is elite. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. And and I think it's it's really encouraging to see how you know last week you know he came back right. off the injury and he still had how many points did he have last week? Almost 20. You know he had like 14 carries and 60 something yards and a touchdown, a handful of receptions. He did have. I was I did watch that game, uh, because I was interested in a lot of the guys that were playing in that game. I had that on my TV, uh, amongst others. And he had two two runs that I can recall of roughly 15 yards that were called back for holding, which has just kind of been his thing yeah. in his career. I don't know why that happens to him. It's so it unfortunate. Does. But he could have had close to 80 rushing yards had those had those stood. So. Coming off a heel injury, the workload stayed the same, and he looked good. He didn't look in pain at all. He looked quick. He looked spry. So, yeah, like I said.
0: And and the Colts defense uh, is the good. Colts defense is good. And a lot of people were you know, projecting him for, uh, to kind of struggle in that game, and he, you know, he still came out of that, out of a tough matchup.
1: I um, think that's one thing we need to talk about is the Jags O-line. They're underrated. They have they have done a very good job this year as far yeah, as run blocking, so props to them. Yep. All right, back to you, 112. Close us out in the first. Closing out the
0: first, um, it's crazy that it took this long. I think um, you're looking at me. You think I'm going to take your guy? I'm not. I'll leave him for you. He's uh, – <laughs> As much as I want to take him, there's one quarterback of these last two classes that has really stood out as uh, like a superstar level quarterback, and that's Justin Herbert. Um, I'm going to take him, although I do think I wouldn't have a problem taking Hertz there. Like, I'd have to think about it long and hard. My only concern, Hertz is another guy that I've been on for a while uh, with you my only concern and, and I think he's starting to push that narrative to the side that, Oh, he's, you know, he's going to be replaced and they're going to look for other quarterbacks, et cetera. I just think that narrative is going to live with him for a while. And Justin Herbert is really in the perfect situation with the chargers to be really a superstar quarterback. I think he's really got it all. So he's, he's kind of just a safe quarterback pick and, um, yeah, that's, that's where I'm going.
1: That's fine. That's I'm. I'm <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm. I'm gonna take Jalen Hurts right behind you then. Yeah, I figured. I was. I was waiting to see what you were. What you were gonna do. So yeah, I'll take Jalen Hurts at two oh one. And, and I do think you're right. I, I do think that narrative is starting to get pushed to the side. But, of course, you know, this narrative lived with Lamar Jackson for several years. Right. Um, Dak Prescott at the beginning of his career, you know, fourth-round pick. You know, these guys don't hit and stuff like that. So a lot of these guys, Russell Wilson, third-round pick, so on and so forth. Right. But I think, I think you know, three weeks ago, I, I've talked about this many times, I think we need to start evaluating Jalen Hurts in this offense, starting it with the Detroit game. Because yeah. they completely revamped the offense. And this is that's what they did against the Lions, is what it should have looked like week one against Atlanta. They ran the ball, I think, 40 plus times. Jalen threw, I think, 14 times, 14 pass attempts, something like that. And that's what it should have looked like week one. And then every week after that, you progressively expand the playbook. You build the passing game and the concepts. And that's what they've done the last three weeks. Jalen Hurts' pass attempts have gone from 14 to 17 to 23 last week against Denver, where he absolutely torched the Broncos in the first half. And then and then everybody's like, oh, but he only threw three times in the second half. And I'm like, it's because they were up 17. Like, you don't need to at that point. And a lot of what we like about him is even though he's not throwing, he's still rushing the football for five, right. six six yards of tote. So you're still getting fantasy points from him. It's not like they're just turning around and handing the ball off. So he's still involved. And, and we've seen it. I mean, he made some pretty fantastic plays. I tweeted this out earlier. You know, he sidestepped in the pocket on that one throw to Dallas. Got it before he left on the cushion concussion it was such a sweet pocket maneuvering. And he, and he had several of those. He had the, the rocket to Devontae Smith in the back of the end zone in the face of pressure. He had three guys in his face and that was kind of the Broncos game plan is, they wanted to keep him in the pocket and force him to throw, and he absolutely delivered. So I think we're starting to see this offense figure themselves out. He's getting more comfortable at standing in the pocket. He's getting better every week, and it's just this whole narrative that he sucks and he can't play is ridiculous because it's amazing what happens when you, know, you continue to play the quarterback position. You get better at it by playing it. So that was always my thing with him is that you give him time. He's going to deliver. He's going to get there. But he just needs the reps because that's that's what he was lacking.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And I I wrote about it in my weekly review. I mean, he dominated the first half against Denver. Absolutely shredded them. Looked so comfortable, like just looked like he was he was the guy and he belonged and he was dropping dimes. And then, you know, I think on the surface, it's easy to look at that game and be like, oh, wow. Like what happened in the second half? Like off like he scored you know, his point total went down from where it was at halftime. Well, they only threw the ball three times in the second half. Right. They only had four meaningful possessions. The last one was just, you know, running the clock out. And then, you know, he threw the one interception. So they had three other possessions and they had a defensive touchdown. I mean, they just didn't, they didn't really do anything in the second half because they
1: didn't need to. They just no, cruised. Yeah, I, I mean, it, 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 of those three possessions, how many of those were three and out? Do you do you have that in front of you? I don't, but I can cuz cuz I, I pull that up. It was either one of those possessions they kicked a field goal. I know that. Yeah, because that made it 23 or what I guess they scored the defensive touchdown first made it 27 and then they kicked the field goal and make it 30. But I think What's good about his skill set as he continues to learn to maneuver the pocket and throw the football and stuff like that is, you know, they're going to run the ball. They're going to they're going to make they're going to shorten the game because that's what he's good at right now. Right. And 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 for, for those of you that are listening that say he doesn't have the arm talent, that is the biggest load of bullshit I've ever heard, because these throws that he's throwing short, or at least that he was the past three weeks have actually been really, really good comes from footwork. Once you get the footwork down, those throws aren't short anymore because the footwork and the and the power f- comes from the hips that you throw the ball with. So, don't tell me he he doesn't have the arm talent to make it in the NFL cuz he absolutely does. And that's I think one of the biggest things that we've seen over the past few weeks is the footwork. That's gotten better, the throws have gotten more crisp and more direct. So, yeah, absolutely
0: and he he dropped that dime even to Quez Watkins that was dropped in the end zone, so he oh, would have had another deep touchdown. That was touchdown, such and that was a good throw. That's a high. That's a high level, elite throw for sure. That that should be on his. Laid it in the bread basket and... over two defenders. So their possessions in the second half. The first one was a three and out. They punted. Okay. The second one was an interception after they had gotten a first
1: down. So ball was tipped. Ball was tipped. I'd like um, to say that, or his hand was tipped.
0: His hand was tipped. It was a deep ball, way downfield. His hand yeah. was tipped. So it was underthrown. Then they recovered a fumble for a touchdown. Um, Their defense did. Mm-hmm. Then they get the ball back, 10 play, field goal drive. And the next, I... next possession was a three and out, but they were up 30 to 13 with two and a half minutes left. So, I oh, mean, yeah. Okay. yeah, they just ran the ball three times. Yep. And then they got the ball back with,
1: and I don't took know. A, took a knee. Yep.
0: Yeah, took a knee. So, not very many meaningful snaps there in the second half uh
1: for Jalen yeah and 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 they have New Orleans this week so I, I it wouldn't yep. shock me if he throws 27 30 times because I think right. New Orleans will probably be a pretty competitive game and then after that they have the Jets which I'm sure he'll torch and they got the Giants twice and Washington twice and Dallas at the week 18 that who might sit their starters so they might they might end up beating Dallas yeah
0: and so. I will say we've been critical of um sirianni who's a first-time head coach and first-time pl- play caller yeah which is wild that game plan against denver in the first half it was a great mixture of run and pass very balanced and hurts executed it to perfection so i think there's a lot to build on there
1: a lot of growth and i think jalen hurts is developing exactly like i thought he would and if you're a dynasty manager and there's somebody in your league who doesn't think he's it well he is, I, w- I would go out and send an offer and, and get him on your team for cheap. So absolutely. All right. 202, what you got? 202. Uh, this is another one
0: where it might be early just in terms of an overall, you know, draft, but with our rosters and kind of looking at the board here, I'm going to go with my guy, Pat Fryermuth. Uh, there is a hard drop off after him. So to get him and Pitt stacked up there at tight end. And then I know I put you in a, in a tough spot at tight end, but just looking at the board, you know, there's there's still a lot of other positions, you know, wide receivers, running backs, et cetera, to, to fill out my roster here. But to have Pitts and Fryermuth, um, I own each of them in, in different spots. But I really liked what I saw from Friermuth in the preseason. And um, I, I think I mentioned on this podcast after Juju went down, that Friarmuth was already starting to overtake Ebron in terms of snaps. And with Juju down, I felt like he could start getting a higher target share. And and sure enough, you know, obviously Ebron got hurt, but sure enough, Friarmouth has been a very steady part of that offense. And he's a really good red zone threat as well. So I think he's he's uh I think he's gonna be a tight end one for a long time.
1: Yeah, he, he's looked really good. And I, th- I think he takes that juju roll next year, you know, over the middle, yeah. safety blanket, mm-hmm. stuff like that. Like, yeah, he's going to be a really good tight end. it has got sure hands, big athletic freak. Uh, the blocking, he's getting much, much better at blocking very quickly. So, yeah, it's, it's a really good pick. And you definitely did leave me high and dry there.
0: <laughs> I'm sorry about that, but, you know, that's a uh, like little strategy here. Um, I do want to take a look really quick and see. Fryermuth has. I mean, he has 12 red zone targets and he hasn't even been really a full time player, you know, mixing in with Ebron and except for the last few weeks with Ebron out. But I mean, 12 red zone targets is is pretty good for a rookie uh, part time player. So,
1: yep. well well, right, back to you. I think I'm going to since you took my tight ends, I think I'm going to have to dip back in the flex pool. And let's see here. Looking down this list, I don't. Yeah, I I think I'm going to have to go running back again because of the workload. I'm going to go with Antonio Gibson here at 203. Okay. Back from injury, 26 carries last week. Looks really good. I think another year and another offseason in this offense. I'm not entirely sure J.D. McKissick is back next year. And, you know, a healthy Antonio Gibson, two years learning how to become a running back. I I think next year, I think we might have been a year early on the breakout year. I think that might be next year because the injury and the way that McKissick is playing, they still don't have a quarterback. Maybe that changes next year to help open up the offense a little bit as opposed to stacking the box. But, yeah, I'm going to go with Antonio Gibson. I do think there's a chance that the hype reaches a point where he's a top 12 pick next year so i and i think he's a great buy low right now just because of you know the narratives the current narratives that are going around on him he's injury uh he's he's definitely struggled some this year J.D. mckissick has taken the passing work down but last week like i said last week he looked good he had, i think it was a season high 26 touches so 24 carries and two targets or, and caught both balls i believe had two touchdowns against a really tough uh, bucks run d so I think that's a really good value here is my second flex spot go JT James Robinson and a Gibson is my one, two, three punch.
0: Yeah, I like that. I, I think we talked about Gibson a little bit as a, as a dynasty by low um, the last, I think two weeks ago. And I couldn't agree more. I went out and got him in a league. Uh, he's McKissick, you know, free agent. I, I just think I think that Gibson is one of the few players who really has that CMC type upside if uh, things break right for him. And I I was lower than the consensus on him coming into this year, but I'm, I'm really growing on him for next year. So I think you're right. It's a good buy-low situation.
1: 204.
0: 204. This is a tricky spot. Uh, I've what to do there's a lot of guys now that are kind of in the same tier
1: well you do need wide receivers
0: i do but you know if i'm strategizing you've taken all your wide receivers so i might as well just wait right I mean, I guess you're going to need him at some point. <laughs> I am going to need him at some point. Um, Yeah, I want, I think.
1: Jalen Rager there.
0: Oh, <laughs> uh, I mean, if Sam was here, he'd probably take Brian Edwards here. But yeah, he would just uh, take
1: at the 101. Yeah. Terrell Owens 101, a.k.a. Brian Edwards. I know it's too
0: early for him, but there's a guy that I believe is going to be an absolute superstar. Can I guess?
1: Yes. What position? Wide receiver? Yes. Jalen Waddle? No. Oh. It's, it's not Brandon Ayuk. It's not Devontae Smith, maybe. Elijah Moore? Are you an no. Elijah Moore guy? No.
0: I'll give you a clue. He is... Very, oh, Bateman. Number two in yards per route run amongst rookies. Nope, not Bateman. What? I know, I'm shocking the world.
1: Demonte. Well, more. I guess, Tim, you didn't say anything. Waddle, it's definitely not Palmer. Are you taking Darius Toney? I am. Oh, my gosh.
0: Kadarius Tony. Ex-
1: explain. State your case.
0: He... Okay, when he's been healthy and utilized, uh, he's been an absolute stud. If you watch the film, I mean, he, he gets a bad rap because he shouldn't have been a first-round pick, but he was, and for a good reason. What I'm most uh, impressed with is his route running. His route running is supreme to go along with his speed. Uh, he reminds me a lot, actually. I mean, he's faster, but he reminds me of a for- another former giant, uh, Odell Beckham with his movements, his fluidity as he runs, but he's even faster. Um, Maybe, uh, I don't know, Terry McLaurin-like, but he's even bigger. I mean, he's six feet. I I thought he was
1: Deontay Johnson-esque.
0: Yeah, that's fair, but he's even bigger. I mean, he's taller. He's like six feet tall, which, you know, I think, yeah. I mean, he reminds me a lot of Beckham. That's my comp. He's averaging 2.44 yards per route run, which is – second among rookies. And I mean, Jamar chase is averaging 2.69. So that kind of tells you where he's at. Everybody, all the other rookies are below two. So, but again, how many
1: games has he played? So he like, has played. Is that not, is that number not inflated by the average? Cause it's like, no, because he's played, he's played seven games. Oh, okay.
0: And I mean, the first one, he had two receptions for negative two yards. So that will, uh, that'll bring it down a bit, but also the last two games, he I mean we saw him hurt his finger against the Chiefs on what was that Monday Sunday or Monday night um in week 8 and then week 9 he only had he was only targeted once and he caught it for 9 yards. I think he was I mean they were really low on wide receivers. I think he he gave it a go but he was not healthy. Okay. Now they had the bye in week 10. I think we're going to get that post bye rookie bump and I think he's going to be I really believe in his talent after watching uh, the film on him. So, yeah, I know it's early. I probably could have just waited for my last pick to take him, knowing he'd be there. But um, if we're being uh, that's I mean, that's about where I value him right now.
1: That's fair. That's that's fair. So you if I offered you T Higgins. For Kadarius Tony, you would turn that down. I would. So I tried to use T Higgins
0: to get Tony in a league and they didn't work. I would prefer Tony. I would always knowing like these guys, I would always try to get a little more. Yeah, Um, sure. But yeah, I
1: would, I would rather have Tony than those guys. Like, see, I'm not going to hate on you because I'm the same way with some of my guys. Like, you know, I would prefer somebody else, but I understand that the value I could get them plus for this right. guy so right i'm just surprised that's all yeah i mean all right well
0: I, and 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 there are people i mean like i said i've been trying to get him in one of my leagues it's a standard league not a ppr so maybe a little different but uh people will uh he was traded in a package for kelsey um i haven't been able to get him from either owner he, he said he has offers of like mid mid to late firsts for him for tony and i tried to get him with a t higgins swap and couldn't so uh you know he's
1: he's valued pretty high i would say all right well you i got two tight end slots left in the super flex so i'm just gonna go ahead and fill out my super flex here i'm gonna take joey burrow as my qb2 super flex guy I mean, he's tier two QB for me, top twelve dynasty QB. You know, same same thing with Jamar Chase, pair him with him, stack him, you know, high potent offense. Kind of all the same stuff I said about Chase. And he's he's young, he throws the ball a lot, he's got a little bit of rushing upside to him. So it's not much to not like.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, yeah, he's a guy you want in a super flex league. Um Looking through here, I, man, I, I think I have to go with another one of my guys, which is J.K. Dobbins. I know he's coming off the injury, and I like it. uh, it's that you know that ACL used to be kind of a death sentence for running backs, but we've seen many, many come back now. They are, and you just look at the efficiency of this Ravens offense, and I mean Devontae Freeman has been an rb2 of late like he's getting it done (laughs) and i think if you plug jk dobbins into that elite offense and gus edwards will probably be back too right but i think dobbins could be an rb1 next season so
1: yeah i don't hate it i was i was looking at the stats from last year on my excel spreadsheet that i have for the trying to figure out year two breakouts year three breakouts for the uh running backs and stuff like that and His efficiency, man, just last year was just so so special. So, yeah, it's it's not a bad pick at all. I I like him big time next year.
0: Yeah, it reminds me a lot of Nick Chubb with the efficiency, just how. I mean, people will say, oh, he's not going to catch a lot of passes. That's fine. But, man, his efficiency on the ground in that type of an offense kind of outweighs that, just like Nick Chubb.
1: Yep. And I think a lot of that has to do with you know, just Lamar Jackson, because you got to right. oh, yeah. account for him and his legs, which helps open up the, the holes and make slider boxes for, for Adams around run. Through. Exactly.
0: I did that study. I wrote an article. You guys can go check it out on ffballday.com. If you go to my, my uh, writer's page, I did a study on how rushing quarterbacks affect their running backs. And, you know, one of the big takeaways in theory, you think it hurts running backs because that guy is going to be running a ton, but, there are so many more opportunities and they're running, you know, Lamar, even when he just hands it off, he's the defense. He's always a threat and they do run a lot of RPOs where Lamar, you know, kind of puts it in his gut and then does he keep it or, or hand it off? And that's enough to just get the defense leaning, um, keying on Lamar. So it's, it's really, really beneficial to running backs.
1: Absolutely. Well, my tight end one here. Those of you listening, remember this is 20 and 21 classes only. I'm gonna have to go with Albert Okuwebnam. Okuwe. Yeah, Okawebinam. Did I say it right? I don't I only say
0: Alberto. I, I still okay. can't get it right, to be honest. And I'm a Broncos fan. So
1: I'm taking him. Uh he's looked really, really good the past few weeks. I'm I'm honestly beginning to wonder if they even re Fant. Yeah. Like like truly. Like he's that good. He's a little bit more agile than Fant is. I do think Fant is better, obviously, but I think there's a chance that in the next two years, Albert O is a top twelve dynasty tight end. Yeah. He's he's
0: looked really good. I mean, we liked him a lot in Denver once he once they drafted him, we saw the potential and he's he's been healthy and he's looks great. He had like a sixty-four yard reception this past weekend and um, he's getting some usage even with Fant. But I, I think you're right. If if we don't see Fant start to take that that next step, which I think he's very capable of, um well, There's certainly a chance that Alberto's kind of the guy
1: there going forward. I think he has taken that step. Honestly, I think he took that step his rookie year. I mean, I think Fant is phenomenal. But who's he had throwing him the ball? Oh, for sure. But I mean, like, like he's, he's, mean, he's a ex- ve- very good blocking tight end. And we know he's a very good pass catcher. And he's very fast for someone his size as well. But I mean, it's been Drew Locke and Teddy Bridgewater and Brett Ripon.
0: Yeah no that's and that's very true and when i say the next step i mean like the darren waller you know like the elite tight end territory because he's he's only 23 he's only 23 and he is man he is so talented i yeah i know that because i pumped up hawkinson over him so much that people kind of you know or at least the fantasy scouts would kind of uh hate on me jokingly that i you know i hate Fant and stuff but i i don't man he is he's really very very talented all but right, what you got? O's a good player. Um, so I need I need one more wide receiver and one super flex spot. Why don't I just knock out this last wide receiver spot? This is a tough one between two guys. Um, I'm looking at two uh, two former Alabama products, actually.
1: Yeah, I'm gonna. So, well, some guys that we have left are we got Brandon Ayuk, Devonte Smith, Elijah Moore, uh, Jalen Waddle, Jerry Judy, LaVisca, Nico, Rashad Bateman, Rondale, T. Higgins, Terrace Marshall, Van Jefferson. So, those are probably some of the bigger names,
0: yeah. And I think, um, struggle in that tier with, I'll, I'll tell you, I'm thinking Higgins judy or even Devonte smith and i struggle in that tier a lot um i think i'm gonna go man it's tough i think i'm gonna go with Devonte smith um because well I for like a few it. reasons for one i'm taking him over judy because i believe in the quarterback in philadelphia him and hertz have good chemistry and i think hertz is very good whereas denver you know we've been looking for a quarterback forever and and right now it's just it's not happening um you've also got Cortland sutton there i think judy is the preferred number one um in most people's eyes but sutton is i mean they're 1a1b they're very close and tim patrick's not bad either tim patrick's not bad either there's yeah and uh kj Hamler will be back next year we just talked about the tight end so there's just a lot going on in denver and then you know, obviously, T. Higgins, I like the guy. He's taken a little bit of a back seat to chase, obviously. Um, so I just think there's a higher ceiling with Devontae Smith. Absolutely. And he's Devontae Smith. I, th- I think the weight concerns are gone. We saw him make that insane catch over Patrick Sertan last weekend. Yep. He, we know he's an, a very good route runner. I haven't seen him go up and get a ball like that yet. So that was great to see.
1: All right, for me at 209, my last pick would be my tight end two. I'm going to go with Cole Komet. I had thought about taking Jacob Harris here. Uh, I'm sure if you guys have listened before, you know that he graded out very well on my tight end metric. Uh, But tore his ACL a couple weeks ago. He's done for the year. Hopefully he rebounds next year. I'm very excited about his outlook. But I'm beginning to wonder if he stays at wide receiver because he was a wide receiver in college. They drafted him and announced him at tight end. He worked out with the tight ends all summer, but then he kind of started to work with the wide receivers here over the last few weeks before he got hurt. And I wonder if that was because of the lack of depth that maybe the Rams had, or he just wasn't working out at tight end and they wanted to move him back to wide receiver. So I'm a little interested to see kind of what his position is over the course of the summer, uh, as he workouts, as he works out and gets ready for next season. But I, th- I think Cole Komet is the option here. Big guy over the middle. He's really come on strong the past few weeks. Going to be you know, one of Justin Fields' main targets as they kind of grow together. So I, I think he's my tight end, too, to go with Alberto.
0: I like it. That's, I think that's the the route I would have gone there as well. Um, so I just need to fill in my super flex spot. So it's got to be a quarterback. I'm really good options. There are some good options. Fields,
1: Uh, Lawrence, Lance, Tua.
0: Yep. All good options. Jacob Eason. Jacob Eason, Mac Jones, uh, Jordan Love. Zach Um, Zach Wilson. I think, yeah, there's a few guys here. For one, I think Tua's become a little underrated. He's actually put up very good fantasy production. I'm in love with Trey Lance's mobility and rushing upside, so he is very close to Lawrence for me. But it's still got to be Lawrence. Um, He's had some ups and downs as a rookie, but we got to remember this guy was Andrew Luck level quarterback prospect coming in. It's been a weird year for the Jaguars, but I think Lawrence is going to, you know, eventually be an elite quarterback and he's his mobility and rushing upside is underrated as well.
1: Absolutely. I I also think there's a chance that Lance might not even start next year again. Like Jimmy G's been playing relatively well this year. Like we might be waiting on Lance until 2023, to be honest. And he looked incredibly raw. I mean, the thing is, is raw
0: and inaccurate as he looked in his starts, he still put up good fantasy production, which is what makes him so enticing, but he did look very raw.
1: Yeah. I, I, I think I said that a few weeks ago. I think that's the thing with him when he came in against Seattle, when Jimmy G got hurt in that game. He's got such a long way to go, but he's just one of those guys. If he's able to put it all together and Kyle Shanahan can get the best out of him, he's going to be really, really good. But with that comes some risk because there's a chance because he is so raw and he has such a long way to go. There's a chance he doesn't put it together. Yep. So a lot, lot, lot of lot of ifs, ands, and buts to go with Trey Lance, but Again, I I think it's kind of the same thing we talked about with Jordan Love a couple weeks ago, or it might have been last week, you mean it's just like the upside is so good to ignore. Like you want, you know, you don't want him on your team. And if he doesn't pan out, he doesn't pan out. Would you take shots on guys like that, you know, ten out of ten times?
0: Absolutely. Real quick, I wanna say there's you know, I think Tua's value has taken a little bit of a hit because you know he wasn't great early on, and then you know there's a bunch of the trade rumors. He's been banged up, but you look at his last uh, few games. Week six he scored 21.36 points. Week seven he scored 26.5 points. Week eight was 15.2, and then week ten he didn't even come in till what like midway through the third quarter, and still put up over 12 points and was like a high end QB two of the week. Yeah. Um. So he's actually posted pretty good fantasy production in the last uh, few weeks here. So, um, all right. You got any closing
1: thoughts here, Matt? What do you, how are you feeling about your, your squad there? I like it. I, I definitely feel like this, our teams would probably be more competitive next year, just because yeah. of some of the guys that you drafted, you know, Tony uh, Smith, Friar Juju just gone Dobbins being back from injury uh Javante and you know you and me are both obsessed with him yep uh you definitely got me you hosed at tight end like destroyed yeah. like uh, like for me it might be not next year I might need to wait till 2024 before my tight ends <laughs> produce yeah that's gonna be a tough one when people go to vote
0: they're gonna see your tight ends and be like oh man but yeah. again this is this is dynasty longevity and ch- just these two classes so uh and, and,
1: and again I, I just think we need to speak to how good they are we got guys like Justin Fields Trey right. Lance, Tua, Zach Wilson, uh, Clyde Edwards-Helaire, Elijah Mitchell, even at this point, uh, right. who else? Travis Etienne, um, Michael Carter, Brandon Ayuk. Uh, looking down here, oh, Elijah Moore, Waddle, Judy, Chenault, Collins, Rondale Moore, T. Higgins, Terrace Marshall. You know those guys did not get drafted, right? Like, but in this draft now, I'm sure those of you listening might have preferred some of those guys over some of the guys we took. But then the guys that we took are, are left available. And I think, again, it just speaks to how good these two classes actually are. Yeah, absolutely. And, I, and, and I'm trying to buy anyone and everyone between these two classes if you can right now. I agree.
0: Yeah. I don't go through. I've rarely had to rebuild in my dynasty's humble brag. I'm going through my like real first rebuild right now, and I'm trying to get all these guys. Yeah. So. All right. Thank you uh, for listening. Go vote on our rosters on Twitter. We will post them. and Tomorrow. Uh, yeah, that'll be it tomorrow.
1: Tomorrow. Um, tomorrow as in November 17th. Wednesday, yes. November
0: 17th. Good clarification, because I'm not sure exactly. I don't know um, when, when you're listening, vote, but... but they'll be up on the 17th. All right. So, yeah, go vote. Go check that out. Um, while you're doing that, be sure to head on over to patreon.com backslash fantasy scouts. Subscribe to our Patreon and join us again on the pod next week where we bring you inside info you won't get anywhere else.